My name's David Savage. I'm 35 years old and I'm an amateur but enthusiastic trail runner over half marathon and marathon distance. Earlier this year, I was diagnosed with autoimmune hepatitis, a rare chronic condition affecting around 10,000 people in the UK. When I got the diagnosis, honestly, I didn't really know what to think, but I wanted to find stories and inspiration of others who had chronic conditions but were still pushing themselves beyond limits that most people would give up at. That's what the Chronically Fit Show is. It's stories from ordinary folk like me and elite athletes who, in the face of a chronic condition, are achieving extraordinary things. Launching on the 5th of November, we'll be publishing every Thursday an interview and then some analysis from some experts around health and fitness, and it'll be available on all good streaming platforms. I think it's important uh, now for, for industries and governments to work together to have um, regulations, especially uh, when they're clear, that helps with people that are trying to invest in the industry. You know, just to give an example, on a hydrogen refueling station, there aren't standards for, you know, dispensing hydrogen, um, for example. On today's show, we're talking to Amy Adams, the Vice President for Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Technologies at Cummins. And we're spending the entire week talking about the green revolution and the need for technology to take a responsible leadership when it comes to green tech. This is show 350, and because of that, I am joined by not just Akish, but Haley and Jack too, in a celebration of reaching that landmark. As ever, this is the show where we talk to experts from across the industry and bring you a bit of tech news. Today, though, a little bit of a celebration as opposed to tech news. Enjoy the pod. Hello, everyone. Hello, Hello. everyone. <laughs> that was a really enthusiastic response. <laughs> Never done it with um, three other people before, man. I don't know the etiquette anymore. <laughs> and the reason that we've got you all on is because it's our 350th show. So we have the current co-hosts. We have the original co-host and uh, obviously me. Um, but yeah. Yeah, thanks for making the time. Thank you. Yeah, come on. Jack, you look like you should be um, in charge of the Denver Broncos or something right now. I've just got to say. I look a bit uh, John Oliver, don't I? Oh, and I suppose it, there is a there is an added NFL thing with my huge headphones and stuff it's like the, that. But... It's the cap, the huge headphones. It's the general look is you've gone all out US kind of inspired. I don't know whether it's got anything to do with events tomorrow. Election week, not. baby. Come on. Four Election. more years. Four more years. Four more years. Oh, kill me. Kill me now. Uh, <laughs> is anyone else stay? I am going to stay up, even though there's probably no point, because it looks like they're not going to have a clue what's going on because of all the absentee ballots. I mean, I don't know. Through. Yeah. Wake up in the morning, roll out of bed. Cry. BBC News. See what's what. Do you know what I mean? I think the last time I waited up for an election was the Brexit one, and then... Uh, or Brexit referendum, and we all know what happened there. So, oh, I love staying up for an election and, and getting really annoyed about yeah, exactly. by yourself, you're just raging on your own sofa, just like, oh, I can't believe this. What <laughs> is wrong with you, wankers? Going on Twitter, going on Instagram, just go, oh, what is people? Nah, allow it. <laughs> oh, Sleep yeah. is much more important than that. Are you joking? Sleep. Yeah, what no, I'd have to agree with Hayley in that regard. Like, the the news will still be there in the morning. They still talk shit about everything anyway. What worries me is that they, they seem to be suggesting that it's all coming down to, like, Pennsylvania. Whenever they go to Pennsylvania to report on, on, on the election, the people that they interview don't inspire a lot of confidence in me, I'll be honest. 
I mean, look, you've got you've got Pennsylvania is split, right? You've got you've got um, Philadelphia and the other city, and then in the middle, I forget the other city now because I'm not that smart. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, and then in the middle is all all Trump town, and then to the left or east and west, left and right, is very much <laughs> is very much blue and Biden. Now it's I've seen videos this weekend of Bradley Cooper telling people to get out there and vote and all the rest of it, but. The actual thing is, is um, Pennsylvanians are some of the craziest people there are. I know this because I've got one on my team and she's an absolute thunder bastard of a human, like <laughs> the strongest, most free-willed individual I've ever met in my life. So it's I would rather the fate of America and the free world rest on Pennsylvania than Florida, let's say, because it has done in Florida in the past. And as we all know, that's America's toilet. So, yeah. <laughs> What do you mean? Roller coasters and theme parks? Oh, no, that part's amazing. But like <laughs> the the, em- the internal emigration that goes to Florida is where all the all the dodgy old people go. So it's, yeah, it's it's self-dubbed as America's arsehole. But, you know, I've been told that the UK is Europe's arsehole. So, so you know, are, you say, are you saying that basically Florida is, <laughs> is, is our, it's their version of our Eastbourne? No fucking way. Eastbourne's all right. What are you talking about? I say it's like it's where Sunderland. It's where our version of Sunderland, Dave. Oh, okay, fair enough. The northeast, mate. The northeast, <laughs> exactly. In general, yeah. The whole <laughs> of the northeast the alone. Right. On that note, let's get onto something more technology focused. It is our three hundred and fiftieth show, and look, there is no. Uh, there, there is a bit of design behind talking about the US election because whilst the American public decides the moral compass for the world for the next four years, actually, there is something that is far more important going on, and that's a climate crisis. Uh, so we wanted to bring you two episodes that focus on climate and green technologies. So the first show is with Cummins. Later in the week, we're going to be talking to Ripple and actually the unknown costs of uh, tech and of fintech with regards to energy consumption. But today we're talking all about hydrogen and fuel cells. We'll go to the interview and then we'll come back with some commentary afterwards. Today we're talking to Amy Adams. Amy, thanks for taking the time out to have a quick chat with us. You're the Vice President Fuel Cells and Hydrogen Technologies at Cummins, Cummins Inc. Um, How are you today? I'm great. Thanks, David. I'm glad to be here today. Thanks for inviting me. Where are you joining us from? I know I know that you're in the States, and I don't want to make any assumptions because it could be that, that LinkedIn, what I'm looking at right now, it's telling me that it's Indianapolis, but it might not be. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and it actually isn't even the States. I'm actually right. based in Canada now. There you and go. In, yes, in Mississauga, and it's uh, right outside of Toronto. Right. There you go. LinkedIn is often uh, a minefield <laughs> of misinformation, so it's always worth checking. Um, it's worth just double checking where you are, because as I understand it, today is is a, is a particularly important day, right? Right. Yeah. It's kind of ironic that we're taping today on October 8th, and October 8th is National Hydrogen Day. And um, it's famously celebrated on the 8th of October because, or, you know, 10-8, in recognition that the atomic weight of hydrogen is 1.008. So there I can geek out a little bit. And that's uh, why that day is National Hydrogen Day. Um, And it was created by the Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Energy Association to raise awareness of fuel cells and hydrogen and kind of how far the industry's come and all the potential that there is now for the technologies in the future. So great day to be talking with you. So, I mean... What's hilarious is I, I didn't take any science or maths past the age of about 16. So <laughs> when you kind of say 10, 8, and I'm like, right, cool. Yeah, okay. uh, but no, it is, it, it, is, it is cool because obviously 
Uh, I, I'm sure. I, I mean, everyone is obviously switched on to sustainability and to climate mm-hmm. crisis. So anything along those lines is fantastic. Just, just out of interest. I mean, I, I kind of made that point about the states, Canada. When you say national focus on hydrogen day, is that just a Canadian focus, or is it, or is this, an, does this have an international uh, kind of arch to it too? Yeah, interesting uh, to say that. Not to add to the confusion, I think it actually started in the U.S. Um, and then it's expanded now, and it's kind of global. So other pl- places celebrate it. We they still talk about it as national, but really it's it's kind of globally recognized now. Right. Now, I'd imagine that in that couple of minutes worth of talk, people have have kind of got an idea of the sector that Cummins might be involved in. But let's just assume that people don't know the organization. Do you want to very quickly explain what what the business does? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, Cummins is a 100-year-old company, and we supply uh, engines, diesel and natural gas engines, and powertrain components, and power generation uh, equipment, among other things. Um, And several years ago, we started a focus on uh, energy substitution, looking at the future. And we we found a group that did electrification, so electrified powertrains, like electrified vehicles, for example. Hmm. And then last year, we formed my group, which is called Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Technologies. Uh, we had been investing in and looking at hydrogen and fuel cells for a long time, but we've seen recently that it is now kind of now is the time for hydrogen. Um, and so we formed that group. And so my group's responsible, and I can talk a little bit about that later, but both for fuel cells, for example, that would power vehicles or equipment, as well as electrolyzers that make hydrogen production. Those are the things that actually produce the hydrogen that the fuel cells you use, and as well as some other components we have, like hydrogen tanks, uh, et cetera. So I suppose it'd be, first of all, it'd be interesting to know why you say now is the time, because it's felt like we're on a cusp of something like this for a long time. And it's almost yeah. like, why hasn't it? You know, I remember being a teenager growing up in, in Newcastle. So I, I suppose it's getting on for, unfortunately, kind of 15 years or so ago and remembering them bringing in electric buses into the city centre then. Right. So, so so you kind of feel like this has been coming. And, and, yeah. And, you know? Yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, I've been talking to a lot of people that have been in the industry for a long time. And they say everybody, it was always five years away. It, you know, it's been five years away for the last 25 years. Mm. Um, but I think some things have changed recently that that why we think now is kind of the time for the, you know, for a breakthrough. Um, one of the biggest things is what you mentioned at the beginning, which is just the momentum to fight climate change. And you can see that in everything from, you know, the Paris Accord to individual countries putting out targets and regulations um, and even to individual companies that are having their own sustainability or, you know, net zero commitments. Um, and that you know through all that that has really increased i think the focus in things like zero emission vehicles um and you know just even just in climate change and and fighting co2 or reducing co2 levels you know then there's been a recognition that hydrogen has to be part of that solution um and especially to decarbonize sectors that are more difficult to decarbonize such as you know heavy commercial vehicles chemical production steel manufacturing etc so while you know full electrification is a is a solution for some sectors it's not going to be the solution for everything and um i think you can see a recognition that hydrogen will play a key role and one of the things that you know even reinforces that and especially in europe you've seen this where governments are publishing now their own hydrogen strategies so 
both at the EU level and many of the member states, just even even this year, even as recently as in kind of you know the June July timeframe, have published their own hydrogen strategies, uh, and that includes significant funding uh, for renewable or green hydrogen, and and literally billions of dollars have been allocated to accelerate um, the economy, the hydrogen economy. So I think that's you know that that plays into why we think it's it's now uh, the time is now and. You know, there are some other reasons why, for example, the technology has continued to mature and evolve, which has been important um, and we'll need, you know, we'll need to continue to get costs down, for example. Um, uh, and and so I think that that will help. And then renewables, the prices of renewable energy like wind and solar have come down uh, and now people can see a path to being able to competitively use that renewable energy to make green hydrogen through electrolysis. So. Sorry, that was a lot of words, but I think those are no, you know, no, it's, it's, an exciting, it's an exciting time for a, for a number of reasons. I mean, look, I, I, I think it's difficult, isn't it? You, you, you don't want to kind of pick it apart and go, well, this is why it's happening. Now, the cynic in me kind of goes, well, it's because business has got to a point where, as you say, it's, it's come down in price. Any technology, uh, when it's adopted at, at, at a mass scale, has to wait for it to become cost effective, right? Despite right. any political right. will, et cetera. That, it kind of feels like the, that political will's been there. But there is something a bit different. How much, how much do you think consumer awareness and interest is beginning to alter the behavior of business and maybe, maybe bump this up their, their agenda? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's part of it, right? I, I mean, consumers, investors, you know, individual investors are holding companies accountable, um, and so then you know at least that gets it onto the agenda. Um, and in this case, I think a lot of and a lot of the areas we operate are really commercial um, things. So I think in in even fuel cells, there was a lot of work in passenger cars. That was the focus initially, right? And that started off, but the costs were high. Um, and the technology evolved, but at the same time, fully electric cars became a more viable solution, right? So I think you know years ago that was a niche, um, and now you you know Tesla and others sort of put that to the forefront. Um, I think on the on the commercial industry, though, again, fully there's some reasons why certain applications, you know, batteries and fully electric aren't a good solution, and so I think that has raised people to say. You know whether you're a, a truck OEM or a mining company or you know whatever to say what of what else is out there? It can't be just fully electric, and that's where fuel cells, for example, come into play. Um, and you know a fuel cell electric vehicle is an electric vehicle. It also has a battery, uh, but it just has some advantages in certain applications. Um, and like I said, the other thing is this notion of of renewable energy. I think that's that's got a lot of traction now, both from you know from consumers. Uh, but certainly from businesses and governments as well. Just out of interest, what, why is it that the fuel cells and batteries aren't a viable solution? Is it to do with the range or the charge? I mean, I, I suppose yeah. one of the things that, that has held people back slightly is how far can you go on a, on a charge and how long does it take to, to charge a vehicle up? Interestingly enough, uh, pre, pre-pandemic, I was looking at buying a house. It, it all got put on hold and we're rethinking because the house that we were looking at may not be big enough now for kind of ah, home yeah. working. But um, yeah. interestingly enough, the estate that we were looking at, because it was new build uh, in Southeast mm-hmm. England, every single house on that estate had power built into the side of the building. Wow. So they were all set up for electric cars and charging points, et cetera, which was a great step to see. But again, I still don't really know how long yeah. it would take to to um, charge up a, a car to the point that you can get the range that typical users would be looking for. 
Right. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic point. And then that's really interesting. I, I had the opposite uh, effect. I moved to Toronto. I'm in a condo and there is nowhere to plug in an electric car here. Uh, but when I was in Indianapolis, we have charging stations in our parking garage at work. So a lot of people, you know, drive in and charge the car all day. Here, I don't have that at either place. And I was looking at an electric vehicle and it wouldn't have really been feasible for me for that reason yet. So infrastructure matters. Um, mm. in, in an example, just to answer your direct question, if you look at, for example, a heavy duty truck that goes long distances, range is a factor. So you uh, fuel cell electric vehicles, fuel cells can be used to extend the range of an electric vehicle. So they go further. The other thing is the weight is less. And so for trucks that, you know, need to carry goods, the payload impact is less. So with the, the batteries at this point have to be too big and too heavy for a heavy duty truck. Um, and that that reduces the amount of goods they can carry. Right. And those trucks are in business to carry goods. The other thing is the refueling time. So you can refuel a um, fuel cell electric vehicle in about the same as you would a gas, a diesel vehicle, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, you can fill it up. Whereas uh, for charging, you'll have to charge, you know, up to eight hours, you know, overnight or or multiple hours, even in fast charging. Um, and so that reduces the you know utilization time of the of the asset. So that's why, you know, in a passenger car, it, it doesn't matter. You're not you're not using that for business. Right. You're using that for personal usually. And uh, if you can charge at home and you normally come back at home, that's a great, a great, uh, great option for you but for for some commercial applications not so much so just, um, it's just out of interest to, to jump in your organization you said it's about a year old um right. with regards to that fuel cell technology what what are your what are your goals what are you looking to achieve realistically in the next few years to to i suppose right. make it more viable yeah and, and you know i should i should uh, say when we formed the the business it's because we acquired a company hydrogenics right. that has been in business for 25 years um, and so they've been making fuel cells and electrolyzers, uh, fuel cells for 25 years, electrolyzers for longer than that uh, for some of the technology. Um, and so what but what we've done is we're marrying their expertise in the product and the technology with the bigger Cummins organization to help uh, make it to scale. Right. To scale it up and to do it in, a, in an industrial way um, and make, you know, make sure that the products uh, fit in, in industrial applications, can be more robust, uh, give, have a wider network of support, because all of those things are important as well. So, and are, are really, you know, of course, we aim to be the leader in, um, in both fuel cells and electrolyzers. Uh, our focus right now is in heavy duty mobility. Another really interesting ap application, for example, is trains. Um, so we've got, got passenger trains in running in Europe. Um, we've got a demonstra had demonstration trains, two trains that had been running over 180,000 kilometers, you know, carrying passengers. Um, and they started service back in 2018. Um, and then by the end of 2022, we'll have 40 more trains in Germany and more to come. We have a we have a partnership with Alstom. But the interesting thing about that is really um, why that's a good application. And again, there are, if the train tracks are electrified then an electrified train is good. But there are a lot of train tracks that aren't. So just, you know, a statistic in 2018, there were about 1.3 million kilometers of rail globally. Um, and only 344,000 were electrified. To electrify tracks with overhead catenary systems, that can, it's very expensive. It can cost up to a million euros per kilometer mm. to put that in place. So if you don't already have electrified tracks, a fuel cell electric train 
can be a good option, right? And it can actually run, you can fill it up very quickly, same thing. So you can fill it, fill up this whole passenger trains that we have running in 15 minutes with hydrogen. Um, and, you know, on a train tracks, you know where they're running. So you know where you have to have the fueling infrastructure. Uh, and so that's been a really exciting um, um, exciting application. And I think if you went five years ago, people weren't thinking about that, right? They were more mm. thinking about passenger car fuel cells and maybe rail was further away. And actually now kind of rail has jumped up to the front of the queue in some ways uh, because of the economics uh, for that. Now, you mentioned a little bit earlier on, and I think this would be an interesting point to, to finish on just in terms of how the industry needs support. You mm -hmm. talked about wind, you talked about strategies that the EU and various different countries were putting in place. Uh, only a few days ago now, Boris Johnson uh, here yes. in the UK was talking about wind farms and how they could power yes. every home in the country by 2030. You know, he talked about, you know, creating 2,000 more jobs in construction, supporting, supporting 60,000 more, increasing the capacity from 30 gigawatts to 40 gigawatts. And I found it quite interesting because I was listening to the radio immediately after that, and they had industry figures coming on going, look, it's absolutely fantastic that he's placing this on the agenda, but we need policy. We need this fleshing out. We need to understand how they, they plan to make this happen. As, a, as someone working in the industry and someone invested, obviously, in the future of clean, uh, clean energy, when you hear announcements like that, what what's your reaction? Kind of what are the what are the building blocks to actually make this a reality so it can impact on people's lives in a positive way? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and just to touch on that, yeah, we're we're excited when we hear those announcements um, because one of the big parts of hydrogen that's uh, that's really is the focus again is green hydrogen. So there's a lot of hydrogen that's produced today. It's produced from steam methane reforming from coal or natural gas, right? And they call it brown hydrogen. Um, but to really to lower the CO2 and to be uh, zero emissions, you have green hydrogen. And so wind, solar, et cetera, that's the input, right? That's how you create it. One of the challenges with, with those um, technologies is what do you do with it? How do you store it when you don't need it? And so if the wind's running, you know, blowing at night, how do you store it? And that's where electrolyzers come into play. So you can take those, you can make it into uh, hydrogen and then store it and then use it in a variety of, of applications. Um, you are right on the point of government and policy. I think it, it's important uh, now for, for industries and governments to work together to have um, regulations, especially uh, when they're clear, that helps with people that are trying to invest in the industry. Um, I think there's been a good push so far for areas of safety where there are regulations and there, that, that's been agreed. But, you know, just to give an example, on a hydrogen refueling station, there aren't standards for, you know, dispensing hydrogen um, for example. And so those are areas, that's just a small example where there needs to be. And in addition, I think we need government uh, support uh, and incentives, which again, we've seen a lot in Europe recently, um, just to help the industry scale up. Costs are still high because you know we're not at scale yet. Uh, they've come down tremendously. Um, and so you can see a path, a little like you've seen, for example, with solar, so we can see a path to that competitiveness, but it will take uh, kind of working together in the industry, co more collaboration than competing at this point uh, to try to get, you know, projects and, and uh, things to scale. Well, look, I think it's been fascinating to talk to you, especially today on, on National Focus on Hydrogen Day. Uh, uh, and I will make sure that this doesn't wait too long to get out onto the feed so that there's still some relevance to that. But look, I really appreciate you giving up some time talking about it. It's obviously incredibly topical at the moment, not just because it's in the news, but because obviously it could have a massively positive impact on industry and jobs, et cetera. So 
thank you, Amy. And uh, fingers crossed that the, the department uh, continues to grow and go well. Yeah, thanks, David. We're excited about it. And uh, I look forward to come and talk to you in less than five years from now when we're in the middle of it and say, it is here. We are here. Right. This could be interesting with 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 three of you <laughs> and, and an interview to talk about. But um, every day is a school day, right? Who knew the weight of hydrogen? I still don't. It's 10, 8. 10, 10, 0, 0. What does 10, 0, 0, 8 mean, Dave? Sorry, 10, 0, 8. Yep. In what? Grams? Kilograms? Tons? <laughs> we'll look that up. Um, but no, uh, very interesting to find out uh, that particular fact. I have to admit that that bit went over my head. But the rest of the interview, the points that Amy is making about infrastructure could not be more on the point, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. It's it's that cut, it's that sort of cookie cutter approach to development and scaling. Now, you know, you've got the big boys coming in and taking over the tech experts to then scale them up. It's a it's a well trodden path. It's one that many companies do. Um, however, in in this field and this remit, it's it's incredibly exciting that they can pick up the you know the true tech experts with the product and then scale them up, get mm. them into more industries. I, I did I did laugh at Amy's choice of words when she said to scale it up in an industrial way it just made me laugh industrial just makes me think of big steam towers with loads of smoke and steam and all that kind of stuff i know what she meant but it's just quite funny Dark satanic mills. do you know what i mean like the northeast of england um but it's um it's no it's it's refreshing to hear you know uh, we all know about electric cars and i don't know anything well, about hydrogen but you, you say that Haley. Haley in particular knows about electric cars i understand I do. He used to sell them. There we go. <laughs> Way before. You've got someone who's a bit of an expert here. Well, I don't know. It's been a few years now. <laughs> to refresh my memory a little bit. But yeah, I think it's um, consumers are becoming to be so much more aware of the impact and everything now, aren't they? So it's nice to see. And I think that the next big step as well will be just like the commercial use of electric vehicles as well. Um, because a lot of people in the UK can't have them. Like, look at all the people that live in flats. Like, there isn't mm. the facilities to have an electric vehicle. So, the other options that they're bringing out are going to be probably more favourable. Um, but yeah, I think commercial is where I think we really need to see. You got to think like twenty four thousand trains like in the UK per day run. Like, I looked up that stat by the way. Wow, um, <laughs> twenty four thousand. I know. Um, so like, imagine if they changed that, like she was mentioning about the rail system and that and stuff like that. So I just thought, wow, that would be a massive step in climate change. But on your point, and again, back to infrastructure, how, um, forward thinking of Indianapolis to have charging stations for people whilst they work. Cause that, that is the kind of infrastructure that makes this stuff viable. Cause you're right. If you live in a flat and you're not going to go out and buy a Tesla because how are you going to make sure that you can actually run it in the morning? You you do probably need one of these new build houses that not is not affordable for a lot of the population, especially not in the current climate that we've got. And, and a right, humble and, brag over there. That's <laughs> not what I mean. No, I, was, I, I live in the southeast, and I was looking at a house for about four hundred thousand. That is hardly way, breaking the bank. No, but can I just say? Can I just say, as someone that lives in a borderline cottage on near the Thames, you're now going for a new build. You're ripping out the soul of what is in a house? Come on, Dave. Because it's affordable, Jack, on the non-humble <laughs> price front. I'm in a fucking Victorian, count, uh, not count house, row of houses, and I this love, was I, even cheaper than that, I, mate. I love, I love that Akisha's sitting there silently with his hands behind his head, having bought a house in central London. There you go. Well, I mean, southeast London, but... Yeah. Where are you, Kish? I'm Dulwich. 
Oh, you're not far from. I'm in Woolwich. We're yeah, the yeah, yeah. boys. There we go. Yeah, yeah. We, we still got a house in London, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of interest, can you charge an electric car there? No, I can't. So that's what I was getting to. I was like, the accessibility side is shit as well. Because yeah. I bought a car, what, three months ago? Or changed cars. And I was looking at an electric car. But A, the affordability side is ridiculous. Because, yeah, you can be environmentally friendly and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, for, for the type of car that I can get with the money that I paid, I don't get anything on the electric side or I do get something, but you know, it's not going to do me anything. It's not going to provide me with any enjoyment, so to speak. And, you know, driving is one of those things where you do need to feel comfortable and enjoy it. But I also think that they need to make the accessibility side and the affordability side a bit better. And that's when, you know, we can actually make this change um, and, and make it massive. But the good thing is obviously if you look at Uber, for example, you order an Uber on a Saturday night, most of them are electric or kind of bio-friendly vehicles. Obviously, if you're not going for the the Lux range uh, or the VIP service, but you know things like that, I think will help. If it comes into more public transport, that will obviously help. Um, and also, I think if you look around the world in, in countries where they might not necessarily have the, the the money or the the infrastructure to you know use kind of the the oil and, and petrol and all these sorts of things, if if they try to adopt more of a sustainable kind of approach to their travel or to their infrastructure i reckon that would do wonders because the bigger countries in the world if for example india you know if if they were to change a lot of things in terms of their public transport you've got one point what two billion people living there you know and 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 move to a bit more of that kind of sustainable element i reckon that would be that would do wonders for the world to be fair um it but is yeah. that infrastructure point, though. Like we have four ports to charge cars at, and it's a it's a, mile, a half mile walk from my house. You're not going to do that after you've mm. got your shopping or whatever, are you? You're just not. Mm. Um, it's this. It's it's the same. And it's a totally different tangent, but it's the same when you know you have a town like Dave. You're no Colchester, right? Colchester is building houses and houses and houses, but doesn't build any better or stronger roads or improve the infrastructure. So then they they wonder why there's so much traffic everywhere. And it's like, you can do all of this good stuff, but until the infrastructure and policy and regs are there, you can't really progress. You can't really kick on. And I, in my notes, I said it's the same old story, policy and regulation. You know, Boris can all he wants about it, but until we actually get some proper policy and regulation around it, nothing nothing will change. And yeah, we need more ports as well. Well, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that I'm the only person here who's been to Bordeaux recently. Drank the wine, if that counts. <laughs> no, well, so Bordeaux um, has an electric tram and an amazing cycle ride system throughout the city um, that makes it really easy to cycle and not jump in cars and there's no traffic on the roads. But talking to residents there, they went through apparently five years of hell and hating it because they basically ripped up the entire city. Ripped mm. up they're the doing entire it in Edinburgh, area. aren't they? This is what they're doing in yeah. Edinburgh. Yeah. This, this, yeah. This is the thing. You end up with something that's beautiful. You go around Bordeaux now and it's 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 gorgeous because it's like these big wide boulevards that you can just wander down and there's bikes and it's cool and you just pick them up and whatever else and there's this tram and it's really easy to use. But you've got to go through a load of shit to get to that point. And unless countries are prepared to go through a little bit of pain, like with London, London could be such an amazing city to live in 
if they just bit the bullet and pissed us off for five to ten years? We can't go through any more pain this year. They've yeah. got to start now. <laughs> Problem is, they, they've already pissed us off for what best part of a year. And, and, and look at look at, <laughs> look at the state of us. <laughs> Think on about it. End, if it was the last five years, crikey. <laughs> on the accessibility side of this, I don't want people to listen to this podcast and think like it's just inaccessible to do it because definitely it is doable to have an electric car. For instance, sure. right, you don't just need a port to, you know, like them plugs you see on the side of the road. Yeah. You don't need one of them at your house to do it. You get given charging cables with a three-prong plug that you stick in the wall inside. I've seen customers that I used to have trailing the cable outside their living room window and plugging it in. Like, you can make it happen. Like, it's not Would you completely... not argue that that's slightly inaccessible, though? Because then it means I have to have my window open through the winter and you stuff can. like that. You get incentives have a port put there right, you just have to pay right. for it so people right. are like well sod it i can bloody charge it like this you know yeah, what i mean yeah. yeah that's fair enough and also you get hybrid cars where they charge themselves up as well um they yeah. don't need to be complete they're hybrids right so they don't need to be plugged in so they're what a lot of the ubers that you see on the road are they're not fully electric so there is lots of different ways it's just there are so many options i think they're just not advertised what, enough what about what about that. fuel cells you know could, could could they not incorporate fuel cells and, and you basically plug a charged like sh- charge the fuel cell up indoors in your garage or something then plug that into the car yeah so i don't really understand how that works too much in depth when it's that was a Can bit of ask, like a new one for me is fuel cell just a fancy word for battery essentially yeah yeah right fine okay now i understand that. so you mean all oh, right okay so yeah so if it in, a, in an electric car there is quite big batteries There's usually the way the car has to be designed has to have so for instance in the cars i used to sell the cars batteries were like all under the seats so they're quite right. big so these batteries would have to be quite i'd say easy to maneuver so you can charge them indoors and then bring them out so it's just right. getting the power i mean they just i mean evolution will tell but right so if, if the technology is getting cheaper and easier to make i mean look the, the point you made about rail uh earlier um amy talks about the fact that less than about what 30 percent of rail tracks in the world were electrified and fuel cell technology was a good option there if you yeah. don't have the infrastructure then you if you don't have the electrified rail then fuel cell technology on the train itself is a, is a workaround perhaps where you don't have where you've got accessibility issues and you don't you know you're talking about trailing cables out of windows creating a fuel cell that's that's that you can you can take out of the car charge in your house and put it back in the car in the next morning is your workaround that makes it makes it work definitely i think that's the future of it to be honest with you if they could do that i think it would be so much more accessible for everyone mm-hmm. um you've got to think at the moment it varies so you can get an electric car with 140 miles which my mum actually has and the average commute for everyone i mean if you're driving is about 15 miles each way so it's 30 miles round trip that can last you a couple of days really or you just charge it every day you don't need to get Hayley, did you sell your mum that car um got a yes and no <laughs> yes and no okay all right say no more then <laughs> say no more but it was it was my brand our brand um kia it was shout out shout to kia, out to kia. There we go. <laughs> Seven year warranty. <laughs> product, product placement. It sponsor us. Yeah. Yeah. I expect some money now. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Or a car. Or, or a um, car. Yeah. But now they've developed and you can get them for like 340 miles. Now that's a full tank when you when you fill it up, right? And there's inf- there's factors that happen. So, you know, if you put the heating on or the aircon on, yeah, it does affect it slightly. But then they've got other technology that's called regenerative, regenerative braking. So, it breaks it's like as soon as you take your foot off the accelerator it'll break a bit and that helps like save energy there's so many things incorporated in them that helps with the usage so yeah there you go there's a little insight guys 
I think it's, it's definitely it. becoming cooler though. It's it's, it's becoming because a few years ago, if you had electric cars, like oh, what are you, some sort of weirdo? Like, you know, get some like V10, you know, turbocharged. Take those props off. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Whereas now you've got not just Tesla, you've got Porsche that released an electric car. All of them. You got Mercedes that released an electric car. Audi, BMW. So you got all that the big luxury kind of manufacturers which have gone right. This is our version and kind of breaking off from there. It's cool, man. It's cool. Like I have you, to you, add, you can get a blimmin' Porsche for about what 140 grand, but then, which is an electric one, yeah. But you could also then get a normal petrol Porsche for 140 grand. So it's down to the person. At the moment, they're not making it. You know, they're not making it kind of uh, cheaper and saying, "Oh, you know, get this out." So maybe these manufacturers should look at that and say make it less make it more affordable by bringing the price down a little bit and let's encourage it i don't know maybe well, there should be some policies around it this is the thing so they're new at the moment right so they're mm. expensive they're, they are so in time they're going to become less expensive there'll be second hand ones and things like that and if i can encourage anyone to do something it would be go and test drive an electric car they are fast they are responsive it's instant power so people associate an electric car with a prius where you're in the uber and they're going about two mile an hour and it's painful <laughs> but if you get in an electric car i'm telling you it's instant power like you'll be it's the smoothest most responsive drive you're going to do it's brilliant. And you said you weren't an expert. Or a salesman <laughs> okay. anymore. Sorry. Okay, I do remember a bit then. <laughs> I, don't uh, yeah, I, I, I recommend. I think, don't I think go we'll and waste go to... a salesperson like the time though, guys. <laughs> we'll go to our advert break at this point. We'll say thank you very much to Amy from Cummins for being our guest. When we come back, not news, something slightly different to reflect on 350 shows. Now that we're officially in the run into Christmas, why not think about giving a gift with a story behind it? Alive and Kicking are using football as a force for good and helping to support mental health education across Africa. You can do the same by giving someone a football from aliveandkicking.org forward slash shop. Now the footballs come in retro 90s kit designs. So go have a look and give a unique gift that will help make a huge difference to more than just the person who receives it this Christmas. How long has it been for 350 shows? About five years. Has it? Jack Jack started on the show yeah. about 100 shows in. Yeah. 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 That was after it was just like five minutes of you interviewing people, weren't it? That was it. And then it, yeah. And then I came on and obviously took it to the dizzy heights we're at today, only for Akish and Haley to take it even further. <laughs> um, Dave, if it was just down to you, we'd have plummeted into the ground by now, I feel. Cheers, mate. Um, I, reckon, I reckon you should re release the music video you injected as well. That, that, that's one of my first memories of the Tech Talks crew. The, uh, it's it's, not, a world, yeah. it's, it's yeah. not a World Cup or any world, world in motion. Yeah, it is. It's a classic, but it's it's not it's not a football year now, right? It's twenty twenty one now. Look, one quick question. I just wanted to know what everyone's favourite memories were. Any shout outs to previous guests, to previous shows, stuff that we can tag and make this more sociably shareable. Yeah, I've got one. I'll go first. Go on. Go on. Seeing as I've been talking nonstop, <laughs> um, Audrey P. She was amazing. Ah, Audrey, what an now inspiring lady. Now at Stanford. Uh, uh yeah uh and she was she was coach she co-hosted only about two three weeks ago yeah so she's yeah friend of the show she is a bit of a bit of a force of nature um uh so yeah big shout out and big love to audrey and we tech and everyone in the philippines why not as well 
There we go. We'll tag we'll tag the Philippines. Tag tag all of them, mate. Tag all of them. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Whole country. Whole country. Give it a listen. Start startup van was good. I, I like those. They're guys. great guys there. They, they were very they? good. Yeah. Just effing and blinding through the podcast. You know, strong Irish accent. It's like you had blimmin' Colin Farrell on the blimmin' pod if you if you didn't know who they were, just literally going at it. Um and just real honest people, like, you know, I, I like to think that we do bring on guests that are very honest, very transparent, but you listen to a lot of interviews and some people put on this PR facade. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, this is what we have to say. This is how we need to come across. Whereas those guys just very genuine. Seems like we're having a chat. So it's good to listen to. Um, and, and, you know, they're doing some great stuff. They're helping people, helping communities. And, as we go into fucking lockdown part two, I think they'll be busy again with all the, the kind of startups and entrepreneurs they work with. So shout planning, out to those guys. Planning on opening their coffee shop in Shoreditch. Yeah, exactly. They could do a drive, drive through coffee shop. You get free coffee if you bring an electric car. There we go. Here's an idea for them. <laughs> I like <laughs> it. Him. Mark, there you go. There's a suggestion from Akish. Let us know what you think. There you go. <laughs> Give me a shout. I'm only 20 minutes away from Shoreditch. I'll come help out. <laughs> Jack, uh, I mean, just there's there's a few, there's a few. Uh, obviously, having people like uh, Julie Fidel, Kate Levchuk, Gillian Kolchuk, you know, these amazing people on the show that have either have phenomenally insightful minds or are actually leading the way with new tech. It's it's amazing to see. I mean, I just think of Safe in the City being an absolute amazing app. Um, but you know. To, to hark on what we were talking about earlier, the rap video was great fun. Uh, I'm not going to lie there. And we even used What Three Words, uh, a company we had on the show, to find each other in the park to record that video. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of highlights, but it's it's definitely the wonderful minds we've had on. So, like I say, like Gillian, Rioch, Edwards-Brown, um, Julia Fidel, you know, all these, all these fantastic people who really we can see are pushing the dial further forward with regards to tech every day. Um, and it's, you know, it's our honour almost to have them on and uh, and speak with us. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'll give a shout out uh, to one in particular individual who isn't speaking. Dave, it's fine. No, I know you wouldn't be here without me. It's fine that you want to bring <laughs> this up now. Like, I take that. It's okay. I accept. You're welcome. Thank you to Ryder Barnes. Oh, yeah. yeah, that that little guy. How are you doing, Ryder? <laughs> he'll be very happy, won't he? Because Spurs are second in the league, so he'll he'll be thinking that Christmas has come early. Don't and... back, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's not talk about the football. Moving on. Yeah. Oh wait, Akish is a Man United fan. Yeah, right, shut right. up. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you. We're, talk, we're, talk, we're talking about Ryder, guys. Leave One me. word: Akish suffocation. <laughs> but yeah, Ryder. I mean. I'll say this as well, Dave, because there's no way you would have got this to the platform it's at today without Ryder, without his tireless work in the background. Yeah, you're the face of it and the voice of it and the mind or whatever, but Ryder's the hands. He's the real, he gets his hands dirty daily with this stuff. So, um, yeah, Ryder, huge, huge thanks to him. Lots of love. Lots of love. Right. Okay. Well, look, that's episode 350 done. Um, Also, hang on, hang on, hang on, Dave. Dave, hang on. Thanks to you oh. as well. Thanks no, to yeah, you. thanks to you. No, 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 no. Come on. This is my opportunity to do something other than yeah. what my original job was. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's uh, – I, 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 I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's, it's a lot of effort, and I we kind of know the efforts and stuff you go to, but – It's um, easy. 
I can do this. I can do this easy. He's an idiot, isn't he? I'm trying to be nice here. Nah, no, but honestly, yeah, mate, you've never, um, let, never let that happen. Yeah, but I think I think in terms of kind of just a just a work ethic and a lot of I guess listeners will will probably know you. A lot of them won't know you, but yeah, mate, for you to start something off from a, an idea and then see it go to 350 episodes and with everything doing all your marathons and shit, well done, mate. Honestly, well, that's yeah, that's very kind. It's unfortunate that we've probably lost our listeners in Pennsylvania and Florida today. But yeah, oh, and, and, and Eastbourne, but I doubt there were probably many. And, and I ran from last week against America probably helped that as well. But you know, I don't really care if Trump's supporters <laughs> don't listen. I'll be honest. <laughs> but no, no Dave, no. you have you have done a great job here. You know, uh, you've gone from it being like fine on your own to just being world class when you got the help of others. So yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> There's levels in this game. Collaboration, mate. Collaboration. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Um, with that, we will we will sign off. This has been quite a long episode, but we'll be back on Friday with a, a very surprising chat about just how costly to the environment fintech is. You you will be shocked. Spoiler alert, it's a lot. Yeah, the